Hello, this is Nick Holland with Information Security Media Group. I'm joined today by Robert Katz, who is the VP of Market Innovation at New Data Security, which is a MasterCard company. Robert, thanks for joining So we met a few months back, uh, back in the, the days before the pandemic. We uh, met in person, obviously, at, uh, at RSA and discussed biometrics there. Um, different world now, very different payment landscape. Um, but I'm interested in really just chatting to you first of all about you know, wh where have you know you seen biometric usage maybe uptick as a result of COVID-19? Yeah, in general, I, I think we've seen a lot of um, financial services organizations. We're starting to see retailers, online retailers, who are using mobile apps for ordering. Um, we're starting to see biometric uptake in those markets, um, and more of a furtherance of uptake of security technologies and tools. Um, during the COVID uh, crisis and, and, you know, even past the initial onslaught of, of cases and, and responses, we're starting to see uh, more organizations across the board, across industry, look to um, passive biometrics, active biometrics, so passive being, you know, what you see, uh, what you observe about a consumer passively without them putting a fingerprint in or a facial scan, and active biometrics where you have a physical um, attribute that's being verified against previous interaction. Um, we're seeing a lot of those technologies along with behavioral analytics layered in to, um, to a, to a multi-layered multi approach to risk management for consumers because you know, a lot of consumers have moved their business online having no other um, obviously safe alternative. Hmm. So what about, I mean, obviously I'm working remotely, you're working remotely, I think probably 98% of the population is probably working remotely right now. Um, yeah. But there are some places going up you know, in terms of uh, the ability to go back to work, go back to work environments. Um, what are your concerns around payment fraud from the pandemic and then obviously people going back into the workplace? Yeah, I mean, interestingly, what we saw was payment fraud had really dropped off uh, during the uh, initial three or four months of the COVID uh, outbreak. So we look at January through, say, um, April or so. And while traffic was up uh, online, um, the, the corresponding card fraud just wasn't there. Uh, even with you know retail increasing more than 60% year over year uh, for that springtime period, there wasn't a commensurate increase in card fraud. And so um, that was positive. We also saw some industries just get completely decimated as far as uh, traffic volumes and, mm. and, and, and business transactions. And you know fraud fell off with that at the same time. Um, but from a you know just a payment perspective across the board, um, the risk is now coming back as we're seeing economies opening up. Um, you know, a lot of that growth in e-commerce has started to, to, to mellow out. It's at a sort of a stable state now, and we're seeing a growth in um, uh, pre card present transactions uh, in stores, brick and mortar stores. So um, that uh, tends to open up more opportunity for fraud. Um, and more opportunity for things like chargebacks and, and disputes. So, um, you know, we're, we're starting to see a normalcy in the transaction patterns where you can find normalcy these days, um, <laughs> but it's a lot closer to what we saw pre-COVID than, 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 than what we saw shortly after uh, outbreaks around the world. Okay. And we're seeing as well, I mean, one of the, I guess, side effects of, of COVID is this reluctance for any actual physical contacts. We're seeing an uptick in things like contactless payments uh, certainly, I'm, I'm using Apple Pay a lot more than I, well, actually, more than I ever did back in pre-COVID days, which was 0%. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's, 
it's definitely, it, yeah, it seems to have a use case now, but we still have the pin entry for some, you know, again, some transactions. It's still looking for paradoxically, sometimes even signature. Uh, you know, it's, it, I mean, are you seeing the, the potential there for biometrics to alleviate that at some point at maybe the point of sale, the ATM? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on the market. It really depends on um, the regulatory uh, regimes that, that, that different uh, consumers are operating within and different institutions are operating within. Um, when we talk about things like PIN, especially chip and PIN or contactless uh, and PIN, uh, we saw the, 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 the signature limits and the PIN limits raised in a lot of places around the world yeah. in order to minimize the number of, of touches on the devices. Um, I've become an entirely contactless user if I have to walk into a store. I'm actually shopping at stores that have contactless terminals so that I don't have to actually physically interact. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think more consumers are doing that as well. And it's really driving the adoption of contactless. It's really driving digital wallets and things like that. Um, mm. You know, but as far as, uh, uh, you know, adoption, I just think we're going to continue to see uh, contactless adoption. And I think the organizations are going to start focusing in on um, adding friction, adding additional security where it makes most sense. Biometrics mm. make a lot of sense, but they're hard. Yeah. Fingerprints are hard to give with the glove. <laughs> so we're wearing gloves. And, and, you know, we still don't have a filter for, for face masks when we're doing face ID. Right. So if you think about some of the, the, the biometric controls that we might have at the point of sale with a mobile device enrolled with a, with a financial institution, um, mm. we might have problems interacting with those things. So we have to be smart as institutions and as um, you know, digital first responders dealing mm. with fraud, fraud, fraud threats and security threats and, and really applying friction where it makes the most sense, but not okay. to um, interact or interrupt a good transaction. So doing things yeah. like, um, you know, the, the, the MV3DS, uh, you know, the ACS challenges that are, that are contactless and don't interact with the consumer, you know, hanging the phone, making sure it's close to the terminal, things like that. Uh, those sort of technologies, I, I think, are going to see broader adoption as we move forward with biometric being like that final step if we really can't get an, a, a good handle on the transaction at, at okay. a passive perspective, from a passive perspective. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, finally, you know, this, this has been... In many ways, I think the pandemic's been catalytic in driving a lot of changes as we've seen in payments. You've seen, obviously, the, the hockey stick change in terms of e-commerce being a steady line up until, you know, April of this year, then, then jumping to 28% of transactions. There's, you know, significant change there. Um, but in terms of what other areas do you see this, you know, COVID-19 as being an accelerant for, for biometrics? Um, I, I think that we're going to accelerate things like digital healthcare. Um, you know, where you used to show your card and sometimes your ID at the point of, um, at the point of care, uh, I think that we're going to start seeing a lot more digital verification of consumers as they log in to their, their accounts to get care. Um, anywhere there's stored value, anywhere we're de deriving service, uh, there's an opportunity to um, make the experience less frictionful. And, and that's really the key here. How do we get a consumer, a citizen, a, uh, you know, a healthcare um, uh, uh, provider, whoever it happens to be, to the point of the digital interaction they intended to make quickly without a lot of extra friction? And, and that's mm -hmm. going to come with a whole bunch of solutions, biometrics being one of those, uh, those yeah. tools in the toolbox. Do you think there's, I mean, again, sort of slightly unusual question, but do you think there's a point of too little friction where people don't feel secure? You know, at one point, 
in my career <laughs> many, many years ago. That was a predominant uh, feeling that we're going to put something out there so the customers feel secure. Um, that is a fleeting feeling for most consumers. They, they very quickly tire of constant challenges, you know, it's something called challenge fatigue, where every time you log in, you got to pull out your phone, you got to do the two factor. And I'm a, I'm a staunch proponent of, of, of these sort of technologies. Um, but even I get tired of doing it every single time. And I know why we're doing it. And, and <laughs> so um, it's a critical balance between doing something to protect the consumer where it's required and doing nothing at all and having them feel like they're not protected. And, and it comes yeah. down to really um, the impact they have as consumers. Are their accounts being taken over? Are their cards being used fraudulently? Is their identity being asserted in ways that they don't authorize? They're going to be concerned about security and they're going to be pushing for more protection. But if they're mm -hmm. not having those problems and they're only interacting with that, that friction occasionally when there's an actual risk, I think that that's the right balance that we're trying to strike mm -hmm. uh, industry-wide. Good. Well, Robert, it's been great catching up. It's, uh, again, clearly different times, but certainly uh, good, good to know you're at the sharp end of, quite like, obviously, the payment security landscape. So that's, um, yeah, that's Robert Katz, who is the VP of Market Innovation with New Data and for Information Security Media Group. I'm Nick Hodd.